0: Same t-shirt, must uh, previous. Maybe maybe means I've recorded more than one episode in one day. Let's do this, sup kids. How are you doing today? Are we prepared to get a little nostalgic today? To let an old man wax lyrical about the world at large and the things going on in it. Well, you better be because that's about what's about to happen. Um, so I've been I'm i thinking a lot. I think I had my chat, previous chat, previous episode with um JL Corbett and we were chatting about this this idea that you know what the internet used to be back back before, because we're both into zines and we're both into um self-publishing and and really zines are now I, I it's kind of like an adage of what other things used to be as well they're like a holdover from time time long gone so what i need from you as, as an audience is to think back to a time pre-social media pre-social meds in order to kind of put yourself in the mindset of what we're doing. And for some of you, depending on your age group, you may never even experienced life pre social media your entire lives because it has existed for at least 20 years, may have been within that social media realm. And that's quite an interesting, interesting place to be. And I think people get, you know, mad or maybe not mad, but just annoyed with the amount of times of like my generation and the generation before us who talk about this time period. And I want to take a little bit of time, a little bit of little patience to discuss just why we talk about it with the nostalgia that we do, right? So we're going, we're going to dive into it. So pre-internet, let's think like 1999, just like that kind of era. In there wasn't huge. It wasn't everywhere. It wasn't something which you had easy access to. For the most part, if you're in the UK, at least, you'd have access to it, but you'd have access to it via a computer room at your school. So, you know... You couldn't exactly just be doing anything on it because you're on the network, you're in the school network, and for the most part, there wasn't really much on the internet to do. It was burgeoning; it was about to burgeon. We were there for that. We were the, you know, there was the i generation as it was described. Now. You would have access to it so you could go do a few things, which meant to get subversive content or content which wasn't fed to you through televisions and and advertising, you had to really go out of your way or you had to be introduced to it. A friend had to bring you a copy of something. Um, That's how I saw most films back then. A friend would give me a VHS and say, hey, you should watch this. Or they give me a CD, which they pirated and say, hey, you should watch this. Well, maybe not watch this because it's a CD. Listen to it. You get my point. But you would do that. And that was the way of getting content. Content. the same with books yeah you, you discovered things by being passed on through to one another now this is obviously isn't new to the 90s either this existed in the 80s and the 80s even more rife because there wasn't things like regular television in the 70s and all of that kind of came through those time periods which meant in the host periods again you, you were reliant on people just bringing you things or stumbling across them you know you'd be in a, a bookstore and You'd be diving through, uh, you know, some local publications, and that would look at you. You you'd, you'd suddenly find this weird booklet which would tell you about things. You'd be like, "Oh, this is crazy." Recently, I saw a post about some comic books which someone found, and they were from ages ago, and they were just not based on anything. They were basically unknown. But now we have all the information about, and we know the person who wrote them as a piece of shit. So that's that's off off kilter, just off the side, but. That's another topic we're not getting into today. But that's how content was delivered, right? And it wasn't content, it was creativity, it was people expressing themselves. I hate the fact that we've decided to call artistic expression content, and I'm I'm going to try and rile against it. But that all developed into the internet. And the internet gave us a way of sharing this content between one another. So you got things like blogs, and blogs were a great kind of a great epitaph of what zines were. Zines were created in order to explore and share unique minutia niche interests and they did you know you get things like fanzines we mentioned this on the uh, the podcast i did recently and you know you get things like fanzines fanzines were just zines where people waxed lyrical about things i liked about things they wrote essays on things which they liked you'd get for ones about bands and musicians most zines a lot of zines were formed out of music culture and reviews so you could find out about the new band who had no way of publicizing themselves so people would go to the shows review them publish these zines you'd go buy the zines and magazines you blah, 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 blah. all balls into a big one and then the internet reflected this the Internet reflected this. So the first real websites I remember were all blogs. You know, they were weird little self-coded areas where people would talk about things. I vividly remember um, there was one because we were into wrestling as uh, kids, me and my brother, we had one which was it was like everything was made to look like South Park characters, but they were wrestlers. So it was like a fantasy wrestling league. And you would put on fantasy matches and write out what happened in these matches and then post them on this blog, which some other people would vote on, on whether it was good or bad. And that was a whole thing. That was like a weird little thing. And then that grew because Flash animation grew and video work started to come through and people started making Flash and creating small, weird little animations, which are there. And it was all off kilter of everything else which was going on. And also plays into, I recently watched a, a video about The Simpsons and the creation of The Simpsons. And, and whether you believe it or not, because of the concept of what The Simpsons, Simpsons is now, Simpsons was created as a subversive cartoon by Matt Groening. Matt Groening wanted to make something which was against the US sitcom. He wanted to create something which was more reflective of reality, but at the same time much granular. And Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles as well. They're a comic book originally which was created in like someone's basement with some guy and a marker pen which is like yeah let's draw turtles and they were published as like a punk comic and all of that grew right all of that grew until we had things like the first like the first um what's the word indications of social media because the thing with blogs was you could always find blogs but whether they were quality or not was hard to determine but also they were hard to find you know, things like Google were rife for it. You couldn't really find anything. Search engines weren't sophisticated enough to bring you the content that you would want. It wouldn't be tailored to you. You would have to put the legwork in. So most people just ignored it because the things you did find, most for the most part, didn't really appeal to you unless, again, somebody had shown you what you wanted. So we got things like MySpace and things like YouTube. And these were the first two real indicators of social media. Now, we wax lyrical about these platforms because re- despite their drawbacks, right, despite the things which happened on these platforms and the things which um, held them back, they were designed simply to bring together the people who were looking for stuff. right? That's all their purpose was, their entire purpose. So YouTube was just a video website. That's all it was. That's all it was intended to be. It was just intended to be a video website. So all these people who were making flash animations on random websites in there, which were hard to find, all these people who were making stop motion and recording shows and music could essentially just have a place where they could dump everything. And the search functionality would allow you to find stuff. That's all we wanted. We just wanted search functionality. And they gave us it. And the front page was just everything. It was everything which was being posted to YouTube, which meant it was entirely based on just what people had found. And again, it was what people had found and shown someone else. There was no algorithm enrolled, really. It was just, hey, here's this thing. I've shown my friend it. Therefore, that person maybe shared it and someone else has watched it and it views, clocked it up and clocked it up and clocked, it up, and clocked it up and it would get you to the front page. And you could cater your feed and subscriptions to that. You were given, you would. Given a choice, essentially, a choice where you could choose what you wanted to see and then get access to that on a regular basis. I just heard a very loud noise from outside. It was a little weird. And the same with MySpace. MySpace was a collection of friends. All you had was your friends. You didn't really have updates. You didn't really have feeds. You just had a good catalog for your friends and an easy way to talk to everybody. And that's all we really wanted. We wanted a way to talk to people across the world in a simple format and maybe a page to represent ourselves. Now, I've been on a bit of a bit of a trip there, right? A bit of a trip. And of course, people are always going to say that things are going to grow and things are going to develop. And there's no real avoiding that because that's progress. Now, that is progress. And I completely agree. Now, recently, I've been on a bit of a removing myself from an online presence, removing myself from social media and wanting to focus more on the creation of my art rather than the creation of promotion which obviously puts me in a rock and a hard place situation because how do you get your content out there without people sharing it? That becomes a problem. But it's because these things have become so cannibalized within themselves, right? If you log on to YouTube today and you log in and you have a look at what's there, there's not much. If you were to believe the front page is there. Let's be realistic there. If you look at the front page of YouTube, in fact, I will load up the front page of YouTube, if you're not signed in, even if you are signed in, we head over to youtube.com, <clears throat> the front page, as it stands on my own YouTube, as it were, is a selection of content, one of the things on there is something which I'm subscribed to, one, the rest of it is nothing like what I'm subscribed to none of it is it's not even similar to what i'm subscribed to it's based on videos which i've watched at random times which basically means i've taken a brief curiosity in it watched it and then it's filed all of the other videos it suggests to me based on that one video but the one video i have is a subscription and that's it and that's essentially the problem they gatekeep the the gatekeeping the front page of YouTube. And even then, if you scroll down, most of it isn't related to you in any way, shape, or form. It's related to advertisers, and it's related to other people pushing agendas. So essentially, YouTube has just become television. Television in its most base form was formed for advertisers. It wasn't formed for spreading information, and it's been controlled by advertisers. And this sounds, you know, very tin hat and very <clears throat> anti-capitalism. And as much as I said, you know, we, this is the thing. Maybe it is. Maybe it needs to be because this is a problem. They have a monopoly on video because... Everyone knows YouTube, right? Why would you go anywhere else? Because it's slightly harder to go anywhere else. Because it's slightly harder to you know, go out of your way to find some video content about what you want. Because no one has a system which is based like YouTube because theirs is trialed and tested. So they had a system which was trialed and tested and then they sold it to advertisers. The same with Facebook. Facebook, you had a selection of friends and you had a selection of profiles which you decided you liked. And then Facebook decided to hide of all that content from you even from kind of like a non-creative point of view, I miss posts about things coming out from things which I decided to subscribe to because Facebook hides that stuff from me because they want those people to pay for advertising. And that's extremely sad. This is why we get so angry about it. This is why we get so nostalgic for what it was before. Because as much as you guys and the younger generations have been born into it and you've been given this and you look at it and you think, yeah, that's great. You do and we did when we saw television. We saw television and went, oh, this is amazing. They show us all these cool things and they show us all the advertisements and they show us all these cartoons and everything is great. And we got satellite and cable. And oh, it's, it was so wonderful. When I think of those shows now, whilst they hold a nostalgic belief, they're not things which I actively go out and find. They're not things which I actively watch. The things which I actively watch and took an interest things and really stayed with me was things which I was shown by friends and family. You know, I didn't watch the Muppets on, you know, access TV or television. No, my parents had it on a VHS and they showed me it and they said, you will enjoy this. And I sat down and I watched it and I enjoyed it. When it comes to cartoons, the cartoons I watched were things I had never had access to. They weren't tailoring to you with television. They were tailoring to advertising and what they could push on you, telling you how to think, how to dream, how to create <clears throat> and living your life. Sorry, I've got a weird cough going on today. <coughs> Excuse me. And that's what YouTube is now. And what's weird about that as well is that new platforms, when I mean, you look at TikTok, um, when you look at Vine and, and everything which kind of came with that, they all now start on the TV platform. Don't they? They don't start with an audience an alternative, like an altruistic mindset. They don't start with that impression anymore. They start from a point of view of, I can make it something for advertisers, and I can make something which will make me profit. Which is, again, it's just extremely sad. It makes you wonder why people are even creating these things. And the strange thing is, and I think we touched on it in the previous podcast, was these websites can still exist, right? It's still entirely possible to make a website on your own, off your own back, for a very little cost, about, you know, a niche thing, right? A niche product, a niche interest. If you wanted to write a blog about your life, you could. If you wanted to just record videos of, you know, your sock for 50 days and just put it onto a channel, you could. You could easily do that. But because things have been given, you know, an ease, you don't. And I think as a generation, as a generation of people who are getting older and a generation beneath me who are coming into this world wanting ways to express themselves and get involved and do things and be creative, you need to push for these things. You are the only thing which stands in this way, right? The main thing any company like this understands is the bottom line. And by what the bottom line is, I mean profit. If they lose profit, they start changing. That's true of any corporation. If they start losing profit, they start changing. They have to adhere and adapt and change. So the less you use a platform, the less profit they make. The more you are willing to put effort into finding find the things you want, the better you do. I think what really pushed me over the edge recently was I sent a video, I shared a video from YouTube to a friend directly with a message, and just said, "Hey, this reminded me of you." And they clicked on it and they couldn't understand why I'd sent this video. That's crazy, right? They they couldn't understand. It. I was like, "Oh, okay." And it turned out it was because there was a thirty minute advert, not thirty minute, thirty second advert, prior to the video I was trying to show them about something completely unrelated which they weren't interested in. That's a 30-second advert that you got to wait for. You wouldn't even know because it wasn't well advertised. It was advertising. It wasn't you flag know, flagpoled. It was just a barrier. And I found myself doing this more and more. I click on links, and if there's an advert and it's going to be long, I just click back. I don't care. It's blocking. Everything's just blocking. I'm not despondent, though, about the future of the internet. And about the future of things like social media, because I know audiences change and I know they control essentially what everything gets created. And I think it's possible to change that tide. And I think children and people now, as we grow up with more of a knowledge of technology, are in a position to change that things take leaps and bounds because of frustration that's something which has always been true especially when it comes to technology things make leaps and bounds because of their want to see change within the world and i fully expect people to do that websites and businesses can only last so long there is no such thing as a business too big to fail and there is no such thing as a website too big to fail it's just about us being very conscious of it. And when you introduce your friends and your family to these platforms, you got to be conscious of it. you got to be conscious of all of that. Because when you think about it, you think about the old YouTube. Yeah, You think, when you think about social media and how it affects your day-to-day life, you need to think about the old YouTube. You can't have a conversation about it without it. Because it was perfect. Despite the UI, despite its you know twists and turns it took, it was perfect. It just provided you with what you needed. And they broke that. They broke that because they pushed for profit. And only profit. Things can grow and things can change. Reddit's a good example of that. It started as a forum and it's grown and changed. And it's grown and changed in a way which is good for it. It introduced things like Arpan, which some of you watching will. You know, know me from because that's a live stream. And it's again, it's just a public forum. It's just a public push. You don't have to pay for it. The algorithm doesn't have to pay for it because the audience is deciding what's there. As soon as you stop the audience deciding what's there, you lose all track, like all track of it. You lose any semblance of impartiality. And it's why I'm so passionate about things which are independent, and it's why I publish things in the way that I do, and I don't tend to go along with other things, and why I suck at advertising. (laughs) It's not that I can't understand these things. It's simply that I don't want to. I don't want to have to pander to someone else's view in order to get the things which I create into the hands of the people who would want them. And maybe that's selfish on my part. And maybe that's extremely naive and idealistic on my part. But I'd rather create what I want for the reasons that I want to create than start changing any of that for the sake of views and profit. And I appreciate every single one of you people who watch this and listen to the podcast. And because it's getting to the end of the year, It's something which I'm very aware of. You know, we've been going since 2017. And I appreciate that numbers go up and down. They always will. But we'll still persistently be yelling at concrete. Something to think about. Thanks for the nostalgia trip. Go publish a blog. They're basically free. I'll talk to you guys later. Bye.